Welcome back, everyone. This is TJ on Come Follow Me with the YSA, the podcast that gives a YSA's commentary on the Come Follow Me program for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, this week, our good old reading assignment, our homework, was Alma 30 through 31. Um, we're going to get the story of Korhor, and we're going to get the start of the uh, mission to the Zoramites. So lots of apostasy in this great, um, in these chapters. Um and before I jump into it, I should have pulled it up, but I didn't because I'm, I'm lazy and didn't really think about it. But there's this great, great quote by Ezra Taft Benson that says something along the lines of, the reason why Satan hates the Book of Mormon is because it exposes his uh, falsehoods, exposes the strategies, uh, plans, and devices of the devil, or something along those lines. And especially in, in these chapters, Alma 30 um, and 31, we're going to get a lot of that. We're going to get a lot of um, strategies the devil uses to uh, influence us, to make us doubt our faith, to make us give up. And so uh, be watch, watch for that as, as you've been reading and try and see uh, parallels to things that you see in the world today of um, people using these exact same strategies to make you doubt your faith um, in Christ. So... Um, Let's see. Let's start off um, in verse 9. So it's just kind of talking about there's been another huge big battle. It seems like this happened very often. And people are trying to live the gospel until this guy shows up in, it, in Zarahemla. Um, and as it says that there's no law against the man's belief. So you can believe uh, whatever you want to believe. Um, because, as verse 9 says, if a man desired to serve God, it was his privilege, or rather, if he believed in God, it was his privilege to serve him. But if he did not believe in him, there is no law to punish him. Um, and I think that's that's interesting phraseology, something that stood out to me, that if you want to serve God, it's your privilege to serve God. Um, and I invite you to think about that, because uh, for me, sometimes it doesn't always feel like a privilege to serve God. It feels like a duty or an obligation that if I don't do, I'm going to get punished or I'm going to miss out on blessings. Um, so maybe feel free to chat that below or whatever uh, in terms of how you guys have found it to be a privilege to serve God where uh, you feel that you're lucky um, to serve him. I do feel in my personal life that I, I've been very uh, blessed in some ways to have the gospel um, where like I'd be like, oh, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have it. Um, but then on the flip side, there's still those things where I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem like a privilege. <laughs> this seems, um, again, like a, an obligation. Uh, so feel free to chat below or comment below what you think or what helps you uh, get into a mindset of serving the Lord as a privilege instead of serving the Lord as, um, instead of having to serve the Lord. Uh, moving on into verse 10. But if he mur murdered, he was punished unto death. And if he robbed, he was also punished. And if he stole, he was also punished. And if he committed adultery, he was also punished. Um, yeah, for all this wickedness, they were punished. And I think that that's um, not something that we have in most societies today. Um, if you murder, rob, or steal, yeah, you're going to be punished. But we don't really punish people for uh, committing adultery, for um, breaking the commitments that they made in marriage. Um, I was once talking to... A friend of mine, uh, she wasn't a member of the church, and we were talking about, like, well, what should be illegal, what shouldn't be, and kind of the basis of this, something called negative liberty, if you want to look it up, by a guy named Isaiah Berlin, 
uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but the idea is you can do anything you want unless it harms someone else. And that's kind of where she was coming from. Um, and as we talked about, it, I was like, oh, well, so then wouldn't something like adultery or cheating um, on your spouse or cheating on someone you've made a commitment to uh, constitute harm? And he was like, oh, wow, yeah, I guess it would. Um, and so I think that's really interesting that for we have a lot of uh, saying going around saying you can do whatever you want. doesn't It's not right or wrong unless, you know, somebody else gets hurt by it. If you hurt yourself, like, that's totally fine. It shouldn't be illegal or anything like that. Um, but uh, I do think it's interesting that in, uh, in the Book of Mormon times, even for people who are not members of the church, they agreed that adultery was wrong, that it was wrong to cheat on your spouse. Um, and so I, I wonder if, I wonder why we've changed that now, or we, we are accepting of it, or we say, oh, well, you know, it's, yeah, it's maybe not the right thing to do, but it, it's not illegal. Um, I think that it's interesting how uh, the law of chastity in our society really doesn't have any, uh, almost any uh, legal sort of things attached to it that you can do uh, anything you want. But in the Book of Mormon time, even the non-believers didn't. Uh, or believed that adultery was something that should be illegal, which I think is really interesting. Um, and so then we get his name in verse 12, it's Korahor, and he goes around preaching, saying things like, in verse 13, O ye that are bound down under a foolish and vain hope, why do you yoke yourselves with such foolish things? Why do ye look for a Christ? For no man can know of anything which is to come. Um, and then moving on into verse 15, how do you know of their surety? Behold, ye cannot know of things which ye do not see. Therefore, you cannot know that there shall be a Christ. And more or less, it seems the argument here is like, how can you believe in something that you don't see? How can you believe in something that isn't uh, possible? Um, and while, you know, there was maybe something to be said about the possible argument, it's really difficult to believe in things that seem impossible. Um, I, I really, it, it always makes me really, um, it always kind of makes me laugh when someone's like, if you can't see it, how can you believe it? Or how can you know of it? And to me, that just is so, um, that goes against so much of human experience. Uh, there's a classic example of like, oh, how many of you have been to Timbuktu? No, well, you've never seen it. Well, how do you know it exists? Well, somebody else has seen it. They've told me they've taken a picture. Yeah. Uh, but you've never been there, so they could be lying. You don't know for sure. Um, in that similar way, we have people who know the gospel is true, and they have their pictures or their portraits of faith, and then um, they share their testimony, and that kindles faith in us. Um, but I think there's something else that we don't necessarily think about in terms of something that we can know without uh, believing. And that, I would say, is love. Like, how do you know you love someone? Well, you've never seen love. You can see a person, you might feel something, but how do you know that you love someone? How do you know that it's true? Uh, it's something that you can't see, but you can uh, believe in and know. Uh, and that's that's really cool to me. That's really, I, I think that's an opportunity uh, to remember that um, just because somebody doesn't, um, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. And then, as he goes on, saying, Behold, it is the effect of a frenzied mind, a frenzied mind and this derangement comes because of the tradition of your fathers. Um, 
and then going on that we prosper according to our efforts. Um, everybody fares according to the management of his creature and whatsoever you did was no crime. Um, so a lot of different things in there, um, some of which you could say have some truth to them that you do succeed and you are, um, you are benefited according to how well you manage, um, you know, the circumstances you've been given. Um, but a lot of, you know, falsehoods at the same time that there is no crime, there is no right or wrong. And that, um, because of that, uh, obviously there's no, well, no, how, how to say this a little bit better. Um, it follows that if there is no Christ, then nothing you do is right or wrong. Uh, why is that? Well, because if there's no Christ, then there's no way for you to be redeemed from your mistakes. And if there's no way to be redeemed or to have salvation, well, then there's no point to living. Um, so to not believe in Christ or to not believe in a way out, um, a way to escape from the consequences of our mistakes and sins, um, is a hopeless life. And nobody wants to believe or live a hopeless life. So you can either choose to believe in Christ and have to you know, do all the things that come with being a disciple of Christ, or you can um, reject Christ and just say, well, there must not be any right or wrong. There are no consequences for my mistakes. Um, and I mean, it's, a, it's an attractive kind of mindset. Um, it's a lot easier to believe that, oh yes, I can do this and I won't have any problems or I can do that and there won't be any consequences. Um, the only problem is like, that's just not how things work in life, as we know. Like you stick your hand into a fire, it doesn't matter what you want, it's going to get burned. Um, every action has, <laughs> every action has an equal opposite reaction. Um, but it's true, our actions have consequences. Um, consequences which bring us happiness or misery. And, and from those actions we can learn and discern what is right and what is wrong. Um, so anyways, these are all just, you know, lots of the falsehoods um, that he's proponing and, and teaching about. And, and something, uh, something more interesting about um, Korahor, or what it says in verse 18, And thus he did preach away unto them, leading away the hearts of many, causing them to lift up their heads in wickedness. Yea, and this is an interesting point, leading away many women and also many men to commit whoredoms, telling them that when a man was dead, that was the end thereof. Uh, and I just think that's interesting that he's specific, it's, uh, specifically pointing out uh, women here. We don't get a lot of emphasis on uh, what's going on with uh, women in the church, uh, or women in Book of Mormon times in, that are part of the church. We have uh, a couple stories, a couple names here and there, and really the only time we ever hear about how uh, women in the church are doing are, is in Jacob when he's slamming all, the, all their husbands. But um, I think it's interesting that it points this out here and that Korahor is um, specifically going after um, a part of the population that wasn't too often preached to, or wasn't too often, um, not included is the word, but wasn't too often focused on maybe. Um, and I think that's in part because, you know, they're commit, as, he, as it says to him, there is no right and wrong. Uh, he himself must, I think, was an, uh, an adulterer um, and was convincing all these women of, um, it doesn't matter what you do. And, and so I think it's just interesting that he, Korhor specifically started focusing on um, half of the population that hadn't been focused on as much. And, uh, you know, there's power, there's power in that. There's power in preaching uh, uh, to everybody. Um, but I think it shows at least 
more about Korihor, that he was crafty, uh, that he understood things about uh, people in general, and also just that he was an adulterer. Um, and then, of course, you gotta love, he tries to go preach to the anti-Nephi Lehi's, and they're all like, bro, we're not idiots, get out of here, <laughs> tie him up, kick him out. Um, and then he goes over to the land of Gideon and does the same thing, but again, but this time, you know, Nephites are pretty smart too, and they're like, we're not going to listen to you. And they bound him and bring him up. And then I love what the chief judge, or what the high priest, Gedona, this is the only time we'd ever hear of him, uh, says to Korahor in verse 22. And it came to pass that the high priest said unto him, why do you go about perverting the ways of the Lord? Why do you teach this people that there shall be no Christ to interrupt their rejoicings? Why do you speak against all the prophecies of the holy prophets? Um, that's... It's like, why, why do you want to make people unhappy? Why are you trying to interrupt people's happiness? Um, I think that's, well, for me, I don't really know quite how to say this, but theoretically, the gospel is bringing us joy. When someone comes along and tries to tell us that anything you do is right, that there is no Christ, um, it shouldn't make us happy um, if we're receiving joy from the gospel. Um, the only reason we would like to hear this is if we're not getting joy out of the gospel, if we're not receiving the peace from it. Um, and that can be really difficult sometimes, and that's what can make Korahor's message so attractive. Um, and that's something that I struggle with uh, personally, that I don't feel like I get a lot of joy or, or peace out of the gospel. I know it's true and, and I live it, but it's not something that gives much of a, like a temporal or a mental or emotional uh, benefit to me. Um, none that I can see anyways. Haha, <laughs> seeing is believing as we just uh, disproved earlier. But I think that's one of the best ways we can uh, defend ourselves against attacks of the adversary or doubts or confusions that are sent to us. Um, it's that um, we should be rejoicing in the gospel, and the gospel and following Christ uh, should bring us joy. And if we're receiving joy from it, if we're really enjoying it, then there'll be no reason for us to go uh, anywhere else. Um, there's this old general authority, an old apostle, his name was the Grand Richards, um, quite a guy to listen to. Uh, if you can go on to churchofjesuschrist.org uh, and look at some of his talks, he's a funny guy. But one of the things he says in it is that he had a friend and this friend was talking to one of his friends, I know, all the way down the chain. Um, but this friend was saying um, to the original friend, like, oh, like my, how do you know your church is true? Like, I think I found something that's, that's great and that's true and that's right. And I think your church is wrong. And so the Grand Richard's friend said to, um, said to his friend, if you have something that's better than what I've got, I will, I will gladly join your church. Um, and I love that because it, we should be receiving something from the gospel. We should be feeling or understanding or realizing how um, complete and how, um, how much abundance we have in this gospel, uh, the clarity. Uh, that isn't to say we have everything. That isn't to say we're perfect or that things aren't going to change and our knowledge and understanding is, isn't going to grow. But uh, we have all the answers that we need. Um, and we have the opportunity 
um, and ability to receive more. I think that's one of our most profound points of doctrine, that we have continuous revelation and we have a prophet who's um, constantly um, revealing to us the word of the Lord. And that, that's such a blessing because it means that our church is dynamic, our church can grow and our church can change. Um, and our understanding of the gospel can only improve um, with already adding to all the wonderful truths and miracles which we do have. Um, and that's really powerful, I think. Um, and that uh, can at least bring us some peace and I would hope to, that could bring us some joy. Um, feel free to comment below, what, how has the gospel helped you feel joy? Um, that's something that's really interesting to me or something that I'm trying to get more personally out of uh, the gospel is to actually feel joy, not just, um, not just live it, um, so that, or not just live it because I know it's true, but live it because it brings me joy. Um, moving on, he, uh, rises up in swelling words, um, to Gadona, says, you guys are foolish, you're trying to yoke them. Um, and you say all these things, um, just very much twisting, uh, uh, the words uh, or, or twisting away the truth, especially in verses 27 and 28. You lead away this people after the foolish traditions of your fathers, according to your own desires and keep them down as, it, as it were in bondage that you may glut yourselves of the labors of their hands. May they durst not make use of that, which is their own, lest they should offend their priests. Um, and I, 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 it's so easy to, to twist things around or to, uh, to fit, make things fit your needs, to say something along the lines of, oh, I am not, um, like the bishop wants me to just do this because he doesn't want to do it, or we're only asked to pay tithing because uh, the church wants to use our money for its own nefarious schemes. Um, yeah, it's easy to see things that way. And that's not to say that there haven't been bishops who've made mistakes or even just bad bishops who then eventually get excommunicated. Um, uh, things aren't going to happen perfectly, uh, but that's where I think the beauty of it lies is that we have to, and where the humility part of it lies, of realizing um, why exactly we're doing something. It's more than just the temporal end goal. Uh, there's a spiritual weight behind it. Uh, there's a blessing that comes when we listen to our leaders and do what they ask us to do, um, regardless of their reasoning behind it. Yeah, maybe their reason is, oh, I don't want to do this job, so I'm going to sign uh, the young men to do it or something like that. Um, but we're still going to be blessed of the Lord because the Lord knows our efforts and our motivations, um, even if somebody else is doing something wrong. But then on the flip side, we should realize and understand, like Alma says, um, you know that we don't clutter ourselves upon the labors of this people. We don't get anything for our service other than um, helping them feel joy. Um, um, and I can, I would hope that that's our motivation in living the gospel or in serving other people, uh, not just to get our own benefit, because obviously the Lord is going to bless us, but that our joy can come from helping other people feel joy. Um, and his choir goes off, swelling words, Alma keeps responding, um, and I love what Alma says in verses 40 and 41. And now what evidence have ye that there is no God, or that Christ cometh not? I say unto you that ye have none, save it be your word only. But behold, I have all things as a testimony that these are true. And ye also have all things as a testimony unto you that they are true. Um, I can't remember the statistics of it. 
Um, but of all the creatures that we know exist, um, at least in our world, um, there's only one creature um, that can think that is sentient, and, and that's us human beings. Um, so of all the things that have happened um, in creatures being created, and uh, I don't want to get... <laughs> I don't want to get into it about um, between evolution and creationism. I think they both um, have their place and can be, and actually are very compatible. Um, but regardless um, of however people were created or or made, there's only one, or however creatures were created or made, uh, there's a still only one creature uh, that is sentient. And of all the millions and millions of species and and organisms that there are, only humans can think. And then, if you look at it, of all the millions and billions of planets in the universe, uh, very, very, very few of them are fit to uh, house those organisms, to house those sentient beings. Um, uh, the probability of them is astronomically small. Um, in fact, Stephen Hawkins um, once said, like, we shouldn't be surprised um, that we are able to exist uh, in such a like so with such a low probability because the fact that we exist how did he say it it's like because we exist that like the only way we could exist uh is in such a low probability i can't remember it didn't make any sense <laughs> or well no it did make sense but i can't say it in a way that makes sense um but regardless i, th I think the purpose of it or the point that i'm trying to make is um There has, there's a God involved in it. There's a God involved in all of it. Um, all things testify of God. Um, and I would like to say there's, even in the little things, it doesn't have to be some grand universal kind of way of looking at it, but the fact that none of us get into car accidents, or rather get into much fewer car accidents than we should, um, the fact that um, things work out for us almost inexplicably, um, and then sometimes they don't. But there's so much um, that testifies that there is God. Um, and for if we look back in our lives, we should, I don't know, I, I feel like it's, it's very clear, or very clear for me at least to be able to see God um, in my life and to see the little things um, God does for me. Uh, whereas all Korhor has is to say, um, there's no way there can be God because, well, be, because it doesn't make sense that there could be a God. Um, and that, I mean, at the end of the day, there really isn't, uh, you can't, it's very hard for someone to prove that there isn't a God. <laughs> um, but it seems to be a lot easier for people to find truth or to find that there is God and to know it for themselves, even if they can't see him. And I think that in a sense testifies of it in and of itself, that if so many people, um, members of the church and non-members of the church can believe in a, a being um, that is more powerful than us or um, that created us um, with no reason to, you could say, even now in a modern world, but people still believe. Um, again, it's, it's a bit of a testimony to me, uh, but naturally the best evidence can only come through our own personal uh, exercise of faith, um, praying unto the Lord to trying to find out what is true. Um, moving on, Korah says, show me a sign. Um, and Alma responds to him in verse 44, thou hast had signs enough. Will you tempt your God? 
Will you say, will ye say, show unto me a sign, when ye have the testimony of all these thy brethren, and also all the holy prophets? The scriptures are laid before thee, nay, and all things denote there is a God, yea, even the earth and all things that are upon the face of it, yea, and its motion, yea, and also all the planets which move in their regular form, do witness that there is a supreme creator. And then in 45, and yet will you deny against all these witnesses? And I think about that. Um, it makes me think of a question. Uh, do we ever need more than what we've been given to believe? Do we ever feel like what we have isn't enough? That the testimonies that we've received from the scriptures, from uh, church leaders, from family, friends, from people around us, that it's not enough. That their testimony and their faith isn't enough for us. I know I've been guilty of that a lot, um, especially when times are really hard and it's really difficult to move forward um, or to see that there is a way out, that there is hope. Um, and it would be nice to have a sign. It'd be nice to have more than just uh, a scripture that I've read a thousand times or a friend who says, you know, keep trying, keep going, it'll be okay. It'd be nice to have more than that. Um, but for whatever reason, God doesn't always give it to us. And in some cases, I think it's because, well, one, we have to exercise our faith. But two, it's because the Lord knows it's enough. What we have is enough. And we don't have to have more uh, in order to believe or in order to keep trying. Yeah, it'd be nice if an angel could appear um, sometimes and, and give us that confirmation or witness that we receive. Um, but sometimes um, it's enough what we have. And when we don't receive answers or we don't receive a further witness, um, but we still feel like it's the right thing to do, um, that we can trust and uh, believe in ourselves that we are doing the right thing and that God trusts us enough to keep going uh, without having to give us more. It's a sign of his uh, belief and confidence in us. course core rejects it says no alma gives him another chance says please don't do this i you are going to be smitten dumb if you do not do this if you deny one more time gives him every chance in the book core denies again and is struck dumb and then um as hank smith the byu professor always says or, or used to say there's always a backstory anytime people preach this way or believe certain things um there's always a backstory. And as Korhor, or as once Korhor is struck and dumb, we get his that I always knew there was a God. 53. The devil hath deceived me, for he appeared unto me in the form of an angel and said unto me, Go and reclaim this people. They have all gone astray after an unknown God. That he said unto me, There is no God. Yea, and he taught me that which I should say. And I taught this, his words, and I taught them because they were pleasing unto the carnal mind. And I taught them even that I had much excess. Insomuch that I very believed that they were true, and for this cause I withstood, cause I withstood the truth, even that I have brought this great curse upon me. Um, uh, pleasing to the carnal mind, that's why he preached them. And kind of we talked before, there is uh, an attractiveness um, to Korhor's uh, words. And I think that's one of the reasons why President Nelson has emphasized that we need to be able to discern how we hear revelation or how we hear the Lord. 
um, because with all the, the the voices and and opinions and things that are being shared nowadays, we need to be able to discern what is true, and some things are going to feel good, and and still not be true, um, but if we have the Spirit and we know how uh, how we receive revelation, we'll be able to discern what is pleasing to our spirits and what's pleasing to the carnal mind, our carnal minds. Now that's also interesting that uh, Korahor, as it says, teaches them so much that he begins to believe them. Um, and we're going to talk about this a little bit in chapter 32 uh, next week, but how um, we can believe in things that aren't true. If we do something enough um, or try enough, we're going to believe it. Um, even something that is wicked or, or false. And I think that's how, um, again, one more reason how we need to be able to discern or learn what is from God. And, and the nice thing about it is that God wants to tell us how he speaks to us. God wants to inspire us and teach us um, how he um, speaks to us individually. And if we ask him and, and ask and work with him on things to maybe say, okay, I'm going to do this because I feel like it comes from you. Um, help me to know that it is from you or whether it's not. Um, and as we learn to and work through that process with God and uh, don't test God in the sense of ask for a sign, but just kind of move forward in faith and be willing to make mistakes sometimes, uh, we'll soon learn how he communicates specifically with us. But it is an incredible, a crazy backstory that Korhor has that if we knew or that if a lot of people knew who were following him, they maybe wouldn't believe as much. If an angel appears and says, oh, there's no God, I, it's like, well, then where did you come from? Well, I got kicked out of God's presence. But there ain't a God. <laughs> people won't believe. Um, I once had a friend. Um, she ended up joining the church, actually. She got baptized, and then we uh, both went away to college. And then one time she called me and, and told me, she was, oh, I'm... I'm I, I'm losing my testimony. I don't believe um, these things anymore. And, and it had been kind of a turbulent process up to her um, getting baptized. Um, and so, and we had had many of these conversations before. And, and so I wasn't too concerned though, because I'm like, oh yeah, you know, we have doubts and questions and, and uh, things which are, are hard for us and that we struggle with uh, even after we're baptized. Like, just because you baptize someone doesn't mean they're converted. It's an ongoing process. But as we talked uh, more and and more, and, and she had brought all these concerns, like, oh, I don't feel like the spirit when this is happening, or I just can't, I don't know if I agree with this doctrine or something. Uh, it eventually came out that um, she had been, or she eventually told me that she had been uh, going to some parties and she'd be hanging out with some people and that she'd been drinking. Um, and it kind of clicked for me then in that moment, and I think it also clicked for her to some extent, even though she didn't want to believe it at the time, as, oh, well, naturally, if I'm going to, if I'm sinning, um, it's going to be difficult for me to feel the spirit, and it's going to be difficult for me to believe something, especially when I feel guilty, um, and as she said, she felt guilty going to church or, or trying to go to the temple, and so in order to kind of mask that guilt, it came about as this form of, well, maybe it's not even true. Um, when in reality, the root cause of it all was she was, you know, breaking uh, or not living uh, the commandments. Um, and so in our personal lives, uh, I invite us all to think about that. What can, what are certain things that we're doing that maybe are 
uh, convincing us or that are making us doubt our faith. That isn't, it isn't because we're the faith in and of itself or the doctrine, but because maybe our actions um, are doing and we're making certain choices that are driving the spirit away and making it more difficult for us to believe or receive that sustaining constant companionship of the Holy Ghost. Um, and then let's finish up uh, chapter 30 in Korhor's story, verse 60. Um, and thus we see the end of him who perverted the ways of the Lord. And thus we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, but he'll speedily drag them down to hell. Um, Satan doesn't care about us. Nothing he does for us or nothing he inspires or tells us to do is um, for our benefit. He's only using us. Um, he's trying to make us miserable and trying to use us as an instrument in his hands to make life worse for everyone around us. And as soon as we're not useful to him, he's going to do everything he can to speedily drag us down. Um, our success with him only lasts so much as we're useful to him. Um, and um, whereas, I mean, contrast that with the Savior, with the Lord, where it, it doesn't matter how useful you are to him, just you are enough for him. Uh, he atoned for you specifically, not because of all the things you were going to do or, or live or accomplish or people you were going to help. If it was just for you to change and return and be happy, that's enough for him. Um, moving on to verse 31. Um, where we, now we get into the Zoramites, the people that ran over um, Korahor, the wicked punished the wicked. Um, verses 1 and 2, Alma, his heart again his heart again began to sicken because of the iniquity of the people, for it was the cause of great sorrow to Alma to know of the iniquity among his people. Um, I mean, you got it, like, you got to feel for Alma, like, after all his efforts and after so many years of preaching repentance and trying to help people live the gospel, um, people still reject him, or people still reject the Lord, and people still choose wickedness. But I do love uh, what it says in verse 5, and if you've seen the uh, the Living Scriptures version of this, it's really funny. Um, but I really like what it says in verse 5. And I wonder if it's, that one's Mormon or if it's Alma. And it seems like something that Alma would say, so I'll just go ahead and say it's Alma. And now as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just, they had had more powerful effect upon the minds of, um, of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them. Therefore Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. Um, uh, and that's so cool that the gospel has a greater effect on us than anything else. Um, and I think that's because the gospel, hearing the gospel and hearing the truth, more or less kind of forces us to choose between good and evil and exercise our agency. Um, and again, that's the whole point of the plan. It's not our Heavenly Father wants us to do good things. It's our Heavenly Father wants us to choose to do good things. Um, and in that sense, um, hearing the gospel and preaching the gospel uh, allows us to use our agency in a way that wasn't we couldn't before. Instead of just doing things blindly or just doing things because we wanted to or we were taught to, we now have to um, choose what I choose good or evil. Um, and that has a huge effect on someone and helping someone either uh, turn to the Lord and repent or to, to turn away and face the consequences. Um, so they go and they, they're going to try the word of God and he assembles the all-star squad of Ammon and his brothers, Amulek, you got Zizram who's up in here, it's the last time we're going to hear about him, 
uh, a couple of his sons, which you know we'll talk about a little bit later, and they go up, and they go, and in verses 9 and 10, we, we get a little bit of uh, the general issues that the Zoramites are having. They had fallen into great errors, for they would not observe to keep the commandments of God and his statutes according to the law of Moses. Neither would they observe the performances of the church to continue in prayer and supplication to God daily that they might not enter in temp into temptation. Um, and to that, to me, makes... It, it's just the primary answers. Um, they wouldn't do the daily things that they needed to to stay out of temptation, to keep their relationship with God. Uh, when we do our primary answers... When we go to church every week, when we read our scriptures, and when we say our prayers, um, the Spirit works on us, and the Spirit has an effect on us to change us. Um, and when we don't do those things, it's so easy for us to fall away, and we fall away so quickly. Um, <laughs> and then we get the, the great story of the Ramiumptum, like, what a name, like, and what a people that would do this kind of thing. Um, but one of the things that they do say I think is interesting in verse 17. O God, we thank thee, and we also thank thee that thou hast elected us, that we are not led away after the foolish traditions of our brethren. Um, I think that's something that is really uh, should be piercing or should maybe cause us as members of the church to reflect. We have been blessed with a lot. We have been given um, the truth, and I'd like to hope that we're following it. But does that truth ever make us think that we're better than other people? Do we think we're better than our friends, our neighbors, or people we've never even met just because we have the gospel? Does our knowledge of the truth cause us to be prideful? And maybe in a similar way than the people, or the Zoramites were prideful on the Ramiumptum. Um, and it's a fine line. Uh, feel free to comment below or just think about uh, what can we do to make sure our gratitude um, of the gospel or for the gospel doesn't turn into pride for the gospel. Um, so we get the Ramiumptum moving on and Alma is still sad because it's clear that these people don't care about God at all. All they care about is themselves and their riches. And 26, Oh, how long, O oh Lord, wilt thou suffer that thy servants to dwell here below in the flesh? And as he says in verse 30, O Lord God, how will, how long will thou suffer that such wickedness and infidelity shall be among um, this people? O Lord, wilt thou give me strength that I may bear with mine infirmities? For I am infirm, and such wickedness among this people doth pain my soul. Um, I, I mean, this is a verse that I don't necessarily like as much because I do, but I don't. Because to me, it kind of symbolizes or shows how. Um, to ask the Lord, like, Lord, I know it's going to be hard. Uh, give me strength that I can endure it. Um, and, you know, in life, I would prefer to say, well, Lord, I want it to be easy. Like, help me to enjoy it even more. Um, but we have, we all are going to have these times and these difficulties where um, it's going to be difficult. And sometimes all we can say is, uh, oh, Lord, um, give me strength that I may bear with mine infirmities for I am infirm and I really like how he uses the word infirmities because it very much parallels what he had said um, 24 chapters earlier in, in chapter 7 about how Christ um, descended below all things and 
Uh, let me let me just get to the actual verse. We have the technology. Um, verse twelve that he will take upon him death, that he may loose the man to death which bind his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. Um, I think that's a wonderful parallel. Like Alma knows firsthand that the Lord and Christ understands him and can help him through his weaknesses and infirmities. And, you know, he's very honest about it. He isn't afraid to say, um, I am struggling. This is going to be difficult or it's hard for me to do this. Um, and so often um, we think that we have to be, I guess, uh, the best person never complains or never admits weakness. Um, whereas people like Alma or people like Paul, you know, they say, yes, I am weak, but I have Christ. Um, and with him, I am strong. And we get that again in verse 31. 31 as Alma says, O Lord, my heart is exceedingly sorrowful. Wilt thou comfort my soul in Christ? O Lord, wilt thou grant it to me that I may have strength, that I may suffer with patience these afflictions which shall come upon me. Uh, again, it's all in Christ or Alma. Chapters earlier, him and Amulek, he said, uh, grant us um, or let us break free, be delivered according to our faith in Christ. It was heal Zeezrom according to uh, his faith in Christ. And now it's comforting my soul in Christ. It always comes back to Christ. Um, and I like when he says in verse 34, um, at the end of this prayer, O Lord, wilt thou grant unto us that we may have success in bringing them again unto thee in Christ. Um, he's praying for success and he's not shy about it and saying, Lord, we want to be successful. These are our desires. Uh, be it according to thy will. Um, and it's totally fine to do that. We should be praying for things that we want and things that we desire. And we should also be in our prayers trying to learn what the Lord wants to give us. And when those line up, then there's nothing to stop us from receiving the Lord's blessings. Um, and, you know, that's why we say in the name of Jesus Christ at the end, of, of our prayers and our talks and meetings is because um, we want everything we do have, have said to be in line with Christ's will or Christ's desires um, for us. And if we do it truly in Christ's name as a representative of Christ or a disciple of Christ, um, there's nothing to stop us from receiving those blessings. Um, and Alma goes on then uh, to clap his hands upon those who are with him, which we uh, define as blessing them, setting them apart, um, and blessing them with the same things that he wants and to receive. As it says in verse 38, the Lord provided for them that they should hunger not, neither should they thirst. And he also gave them strength that they should suffer no manner of afflictions, save it were swallowed up in the joy of Christ. Now this was according to the prayer of Alma, and this because he prayed in faith. Because he prayed in faith, um, they were able to receive that blessing of no affliction being too much that wasn't swallowed up in the joy of Christ. Uh, uh, and so I, I invite you to think about how does Christ bring you joy in your life? Um, specifically Christ, not just the gospel, but how does Christ bring you joy? Uh, feel free to comment below. Uh, that's something I'm trying to work on or trying to understand better. Um, is how can I receive more joy just from Christ? How can thinking about Christ fill my soul with light and peace and happiness? Um, because if we can learn to feel the joy of Christ, then um, 
we can always turn to him or think of him in our afflictions and receive that peace and joy uh, which we need to endure them to get through this life. Uh, these things I say in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, feel free to... Oh, yeah. I meant to create an email so that people could email me with any questions or angry comments that they wanted to send me. But I still haven't done that yet. So maybe next episode, I don't know. Uh, regardless, uh, continue to tune in if you want. Uh, but most importantly, just... Uh, read the scriptures yourselves, uh, figure out your insights, apply it to your life, and um, and learn from this that your testimony of the Book of Mormon and of Christ can grow. Um, yes, yeah, that's all I got for y'all. See you next time.